0: Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen. I am sitting next to Chris Conley, the lead pastor and my husband. We are wrapping up our last two podcasts on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And Chris, I love the angle that you want to take for these final two podcasts.
1: In previous podcasts, we've tried to tackle some of the theological issues. We've addressed the proper use and the improper use of spiritual gifts. Today, we're going to try to bring it back to your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father and how we grow spiritually. What role does the Holy Spirit play? in our spiritual growth
0: and just in some of our conversation and with other ministry leaders there's just this frustration of why aren't more christians growing and then people that come up to us that are going i don't know why i'm stuck so i think our time together really can help people no matter where they are on their journey to kind of recalibrate and evaluate okay Where is the Holy Spirit in my life? How active is he? And so maybe just as a place to start, Chris, give us an idea. What role does the Holy Spirit play in this whole topic of spiritual growth?
1: Well, there's three primary areas, but we're going to give you those and then we'll break those down in a practical way. The Holy Spirit grows us. God uses the Holy Spirit in our life to facilitate growth. All right but he also guides us. And then third, he gifts us. And so when we look at the fact that the Holy Spirit grows us in John chapter 16, starting verse seven, it says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now that is a remarkable statement. It is to our advantage for Jesus to go away. He says, for if I do not go away, The helper will not come to you. Here, the helper is the Holy Spirit. So when we think about our spiritual growth, it is impossible. Let me say that again. It is impossible for us to grow apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in every way imaginable to facilitate spiritual growth, but not only in every way, but in three specific ways. As we look at this passage of scripture, what we see is that the Holy Spirit will convict us concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, a lot of times when you hear the word convict, what comes to your mind, Karen, when people hear that word conviction?
0: Guilt and bad things. I don't want to be convicted. You kind of try to run as far as you can so you don't have that feeling.
1: Right, but we need to shift our thinking around this word convict or conviction. Conviction is actually something incredibly positive. What he's doing is he's bringing to our mind an awareness of the ways that we have got sidetracked. In the ways that we are not thinking in agreement with the word of God. So he's convicting us for the purpose of bringing us back into right relationship with him and back into right living with him. So all conviction is ultimately for our good because it's it's the same thing as a parent who is giving a warning to his or her son or daughter and saying, no, 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 don't do that. I don't want you to play in the street because that's dangerous dangerous. There's a better place to play. He's not saying I don't want you to play. He's just simply saying there's a better, safer place to play.
0: Talking about the analogy with children in that same way, if you are there and you're thinking, I'm not really growing and I keep messing up and I keep feeling bad about it. To go, no, actually, the fact that you're having that conviction means that you are being guided by the Holy Spirit, that God is present in your life. As a mom, when my son or daughter has done something wrong repetitively and then they come up to me the next time and they're like, mom, I almost said this to my sister again, but this time I caught myself. I shouldn't be saying, I can't believe you almost did that. No, you're so excited. They actually had an awareness beforehand and that they were sensing that conviction. And I'm sure the Lord is the same way. It is such a positive thing to know that he is.
1: And it's important for us in that particular example to attribute that to the Holy Spirit, Mm. not to just go, oh, well, they're just. Becoming more mature. They're just growing up a little bit. No, we have zero ability apart from the Holy Spirit to think things that are in alignment with the word of God, in agreement with the ways of God, and consistent with the heart of God. So anytime our thinking is brought back into agreement with God, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when we said that the Holy Spirit grows us, that's one of the ways that he grows us is he renews our mind. And we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But second He also guides us. In Galatians 5.25, it says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit or let us also walk with the Spirit. So in order to live by the Spirit, there has to be the Spirit is initiating far too often it's our spirit that is doing all the initiating as we are living with christ what we have to do is we have to learn to recognize the spirit's activity in our mind and how the spirit desires to bring good things to our mind and to lead us in good ways now when we start thinking in selfish ways that's where conviction comes in And to bring us, okay, back into alignment with God and to convict us that that's selfish instead of selfless. When you think about your walk with God, Karen, and you think about the ways that we are to walk by the Spirit, what does that look like for you?
0: Well, I think it is a situation in my life on a daily basis where the value of being in God's Word consistently is something that I have learned and treasured and I've seen the benefit from. But at the same time, I do think I'm just like everybody else. And even with great disciplines in place, and we'll talk about how important disciplines are, even the person who has them as solidly as you can have disciplines, there is still all of the pressures of the world that kind of compete for them. So I think every morning the fact that i go and spend time with the lord there are days that i do it out of desire but there are a lot of days that the holy spirit i believe just convicts me and reminds me you can't do this on your own you need the word of god to do this and so i see in just a very practical way that is not a fleshly desire to die to self and to be in his word and gosh interacting with my children you know when i hold my tongue and when i believe the best about them that that's the holy spirit guiding me and shepherding to have that thought in that moment not to respond the way that i might want to not to respond maybe to be offended but to go okay how can i be christ to them well
1: you gave a great example because you began that talking about your priority time what you do in a priority time it's that daily time that you are setting aside to spend time with god through the word and prayer when you spend time in the Word, that's when you're renewing your mind. And by renewing your mind, you're giving the Holy Spirit substance to work with. If all of a sudden your mind has not been engaged with the Word of God, there's this sense at times that you're walking through your daily activity And you need the wisdom of the word of God on a particular subject. And the Holy Spirit rushes into your mind and says, I want to give you some wisdom. I want to give you some direction in this particular situation. But if you've not spent time in the word of God, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have a lot to work with. The Holy Spirit works in agreement with the word of God. The Holy Spirit complements the word of God. Now, of course, through the message that we hear and the things that we know about the character of God and the ways of God, the Holy Spirit can direct us and give us different thoughts and shape our thinking in different ways. But the Word of God is is like the fuel that the Holy Spirit works with. The Word of God is like the food that gives us the ability to live and to operate. And so there's this incredible relationship that exists that the Holy Spirit throws light upon the Word of God, illuminates the Word of God, and brings it to life in our daily living so that when you encounter a specific circumstance, the Holy Spirit can give you the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ.
0: Before we move to the kind of third broad stroke of what the Holy Spirit does, the thing that just keeps running through my mind as we're sitting here talking in the passage where Jesus said it is to your advantage that I go away. I think how many times do we have those conversations? Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus here? Life would be so different if he was just walking in the flesh with us and we would never leave him. And go off on our own direction. If we had him available to us, man, I would be, hey, can you come with me here? And can you follow me here? And I need your help here. And yet he is the one that said it's to your advantage. The Holy Spirit is actually going to be a benefit to you. And we don't have that same sense of we need to stay alert and have the awareness that the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere we well, go.
1: you know, obviously here in John 16, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the helper. We also see that the Holy Spirit is called the counselor. It's the equivalent of having that counselor of wisdom with you at all times and that what he's doing is he is giving us real time decision making and wisdom to be able to make the decisions so that we can love god and love people throughout our day
0: i'm grateful that we're having this conversation because i think it's so easy just to take the holy spirit for granted or to feel like you don't have the help you need when he is right there. And so we've seen that he grows us and he guides us. What's the third way that the Holy Spirit has a part in our spiritual growth?
1: He gives us gifts. He gifts us. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse one, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So if he gives us gifts, he gives us gifts for a reason for for a purpose and what we learn in the rest of this passage is that all of us have different gifts but in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good see the gifts they're not primarily for the benefit of the individual they're for the benefit of the body. They give us this ability to focus on others instead of focus on ourselves. Now, a lot of times when we take gifts out of their intended purpose, we use them to elevate ourselves instead of the common good of the body. One of the things that's so important here is oftentimes when it comes to spiritual growth, we think spiritual growth is just about improving our spiritual IQ. And we think it's just all about, you know, spiritual maturity is the more knowledge that you have, the more that you know, I don't see people growing spiritually who are not using their spiritual gifts. Bottom line, the people that grow spiritually, the people that continue to be hungry for the word of God, Are the people who've identified what their spiritual gift is and have begun to use it and they get great joy and satisfaction out of seeing the ways that God uses them to bless others, to encourage others, to challenge others, to grow others in Christ.
0: There's that danger that I think all of us are tempted as we gain knowledge to become prideful and to become like the Pharisees. There is something about that utilization of your gifts, being a part of a body and serving that makes you realize you are just one member of the body, that God needs many gifts and what a privilege it is to be used by him.
1: And I think about it this way frequently, that there are professors that I've sat under in the classroom that are incredibly knowledgeable about their subject, but don't have the ability to actually go out and execute what they know. They're just simply classroom people only. But then there are people in the business world or people in the ministry world, you can take them out of their business context, out of you know what they actually do to get it done and bring them into a classroom. And I've got so much more respect for them because they also have the same knowledge and they can be effective in teaching, but they've actually put it to work. They've actually accomplished something with what they know. And I don't want Christians to be classroom Christians only. God did not send his son to die for us, to simply educate us. I think the goal was much bigger than that.
0: I totally resonate with that. I can think back to my business classes in college, and there is a huge difference when I talk to someone who is a CEO and they've had to lay people off and they've had a great product line, they've had success, they've had failure, and you start picking their brain and they have real-life example as opposed to just telling you what the textbook says.
1: We can't have theologians who aren't practitioners If you're a theologian only and you're not practicing what that knowledge of God is, then you will begin to misunderstand the theology because the theology that God gives us is all built around this one word, love. And that word love is really about action. It's about doing something. It's not about studying something.
0: Even in what you just said about the theologians, you're not talking just about pastors. Every single one of us that applies to we can't just become someone with a higher spiritual IQ. We've got to be practitioners as well. So those are kind of the big broad strokes. If you're sitting here thinking, what does the Holy Spirit really have to do with my spiritual growth? That's what he has to do with it. He's growing us. He's guiding us. He's gifted us. But let's get down even a little bit further into the nitty-gritty. On a daily basis, in Jane and Joe that's listening to this podcast out there, what does the activity of the Holy Spirit look like just on a daily basis?
1: It begins by simply changing my desires. That before Jesus Christ came into my life and gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit, my desires revolved around me, myself, and I. Really, the essence of sin is selfishness, and the essence of love is selflessness. It's serving others. The thing that I challenge people to do in their spiritual growth is that they need to think about their spiritual growth based around how their desires are changing. Again, God did not come to us to force us to do anything. Oftentimes, Christians will think about their spiritual growth in the context of it's a duty instead of a desire i really think that god wants to lead us through the heart he wants to lead us through a love relationship and when we do that the best thing to do is is i can say you know what i want to do this not now i ought to do this not now i should do this it's changing my desires why because who i love more has changed I now love Jesus more than me and Jesus love for me is more pure than my love for me and what Jesus wants for me is actually better than what I want for me and so I'm gonna trust that what he wants for me is better than what I want for me
0: so what about that person that's listening right now they know they have a relationship with Christ but man there are just still some desires out there that aren't in alignment with the Lord so what does that mean
1: let's normalize that for a moment sin is tempting And sin's going to always be tempting. And no matter how spiritually mature I get, there are certain temptations that are appealing to the eye and that are going to create a certain lust, so to speak. And the word lust is not just a sexual desire. It means strong ambition, okay? And so when we think about that, that's where the renewing of my mind comes into play. The more I renew my mind, I begin to see why God wants me to want what he wants. But also, i got to move out of renewing my mind, and i got to start doing something. If I'm not serving, if I'm not making a difference, if I'm just, again, in the classroom, or if I'm in church attendance mode, and I'm not actively serving, then those temptations are much stronger, incredibly stronger.
0: okay in a practical way i'm a new believer or i've been walking with the lord for 20 years and we're going to see that the spirit is there to first of all change my desires what's the ripple effect of that
1: once he begins to change our desires the next step is those desires turn into decisions so our desires are first and then those desires become decisions now when we start making different decisions in order for it to go beyond a temporary event, it has, that decision has to turn into a discipline. Now, a lot of times this is where people get confused on their spiritual growth. They're expecting God to do all the growth for them. Now, God is initiating through the Holy Spirit by changing your desire. God is initiating by even giving you the ability frequently at church that you will agree with the pastor and you'll agree obviously with the word of God and you'll make a decision but you don't follow through because you haven't built the discipline. Discipline its that process of sowing and reaping, but discipline is not just an intellectual experience. Discipline needs a community. If you've ever tried to work out by yourself, it's much more difficult to be consistent working out by yourself. I have tried every workout mechanism possible, joining every gym, buying every piece of equipment and all that stuff. But until here recently, the last six months, where I have had four other guys that I meet every morning at 6.30 in the morning, I've not been consistent. But now that I'm in the context of relationship, my discipline is much easier because it's in the context of relationship. Far too many people are undisciplined because they remove themselves from relationship. They're just church attendees only. They're not in the context of friendship. They're not in the context of small groups.
0: And I got to be the flip side of that example because you were my workout partner and now I'm still by myself. I haven't connected with my group yet, but you're right. It is harder and community has its value. I can echo that. I was just thinking about the whole desires that lead to decisions. I want to encourage our listeners. I spoke with a woman this past weekend who was really struggling in her marriage. She was convicted by the Holy Spirit that she had made some decisions and she had made some pretty strong lines in the sand in her relationship with her husband. You know, you don't have to change everything. You don't have to make every decision correct to see God's hand work. And so this is something that I think I'm a linear person. And I think, OK, well, you better get all of your desires right before you move to all your decisions. And it doesn't work that it way. It will never work that way. And I'm grateful for that. So if you're struggling, make one decision
1: make one right decision make a small decision focus on that one thing oftentimes here's what happens if we'll focus on the right problem we'll focus kind of on the source the bigger problem once we solve that then there's all these secondary problems that get solved along the way if you solve the right problem the other problems oftentimes take care of themselves
0: so we see kind of this progression the Holy Spirit will help us change our desires And that will help us to make better decisions. Then we put those disciplines in place. What's the continue?
1: Those disciplines determine the direction of our life. So right now, I'm at a place where I'm trying to lose X amount of weight, right? X. (laughs) (laughs) And as I'm trying to lose that weight, if I tried to lose that weight in one month, I would be a miserable failure. But I've established a direction a direction that for the last six months I'm working out. Now, I'm also trying to complement that with a diet that will establish more of that direction. And the more the diet and the exercise work together, that direction ultimately will lead to the right destination, okay? Here's another way to think about it. Here recently, you and I have had to go to Nashville several times to watch Annika play in a lacrosse tournament. So if we get on I-40... And we head east. Nashville's about 200 miles away. Sometimes there's no traffic whatsoever, and we're doing 75, 80 miles per hour, and we're going to get there in less than three hours. Sometimes there's an accident on the interstate, and traffic will slow down. And and depending on the severity of the accident, sometimes you're going 50 miles per hour. Sometimes for a stretch, I mean, it slows way down. You're going 25 miles per hour. And sometimes you come to a complete stop, and you're just kind of bumper to bumper and just kind of inching along. But as long as we stay on I-40 and we keep going to Nashville, this is the way it is in life. Sometimes in our spiritual life, you're only going 10 miles per hour. But you know what? If you just stay on the right road and you just keep going – You're going to get there sometimes the circumstances of your life are such that they're allowing you to travel at a faster speed and you're going 25 miles per hour sometimes you are at peak performance i mean you are doing the best you can do and you're going 50 75 miles per hour and you're going to make great time and you're going to get there faster than you've ever gotten there before and we just need to normalize that the speed of our spiritual growth changes but we just got to stay on the same road And the way that we stay on the same road is we allow God's desires to be formed in us. Those desires are turned into decisions. We take those decisions and we build them into disciplines. Those disciplines determine the direction of our life and ultimately we will arrive at our destination.
0: That brings today's time to a close. And if you want more information on our ministries, I want to highly encourage you to check out chrisconley.net or karenconley.com. As always, highpointmemphis.com. But whatever you do, please remember that love God plus love people equals love works.